Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. This week on Talk Nation Radio, it is my great pleasure to welcome back to the show Ray McGovern. We will be talking about China and possibly Russia and maybe even Iraq. Ray McGovern was an infantry intelligence officer in the early 60s and became a CIA analyst. His duties eventually included chairing the national intelligence estimates and preparing the president's daily brief. He conducted the one-on-one morning briefings of President Reagan's five most senior national security officials, including Vice President Bush, from 1981 to 85. In retirement, Ray co-founded Veteran Intelligence Professionals for Sanity, VIPS, an attempt by intelligence veterans to hold former colleagues to account for, quote, fixing intelligence to justify wars like Iraq. His website is raymcgovern.com. Ray, welcome back to Talk Nation Radio. Thank you, David. Too much to talk about, probably. Uh, Why don't we start with China? It seems that Pompeo is handling that uh, part of the world pretty well, huh? (laughs) I have never seen I've never seen such a bad speech on a key issue by a, a U.S. Secretary of State. The one he made uh, he uh, made out at the Nixon Library out there in California. You know, um, he either doesn't know, well, he's supposed to be a smart guy, isn't he? Uh, he doesn't know the history of Sino-Soviet-U.S. triangular relations, or he's deliberately obfuscating it on behalf of those who make billions and billions of dollars building submarines and aircraft carriers against the, quote, threat from China, end quote. Um, his speech was, was kind of unleashed. Uh, he talked about uh, how the Chinese Communist Party never changed its stripes, and, you know, we forget it's communist, it's communist, it's communist, and, and besides, you know, uh, Nixon's effort, as good as it was, uh, to make a good relationship with China was based on the notion that China would change. China would become like us. Well, they didn't. So uh, Nixon was really mistaken in that. Well, that's all, <laughs> it's all BS. Nixon's initiative was the smartest thing he ever did. He and Kissinger played them off, played Russia off against China. And, you know, it, it, uh, I was there, right? <laughs> I was chief of the Soviet foreign policy branch, but all this went down. It was a masterful stroke, and it engendered or facilitated or catalyzed uh, the biggest achievement under Nixon, and that was the Anti-Ballistic Missile Treaty signed in, in 1972. I happened to be in Moscow to witness all that. And that gave st- strategic stability between Russia and the United States for 30, 30 years until 2001, 2002, when Bush uh, heeded the uh, advice of John Bolton and said, hey, let's get out of that treaty. That's not, that treaty not any good. And since then, uh, the potential for a accidental or a deliberate uh, escalation into nuclear warfare has increased uh, a great deal. So this was a very big speech, and... Uh, it indicates that, uh, well, either Pompeo is not as smart, well, either Pompeo had, had somebody else take those exams from uh, up there in uh, West Point. I mean, he came out first in his class. So either that or he is smart enough, and he's just, uh, he's a, what I call a, 
You remember the Mouseketeers for Mickey Mouse? Well, I call him a, a Mickey Mouseketeer. Uh, the Mickey Matteer. Mickey Matt is the Military Industrial Congressional Intelligence Media Academia Think Tank Complex. Again, <laughs> Mickey Matt rhymes with Mickey Mouse. And uh, all I'd say is that when I say media, that means all caps. Because without the media, uh, it wouldn't work. The media is the cornerstone, the linchpin of all this. And that's why Americans are so misguided in what they believe about things like China and Russia. Isn't, isn't Mike Pompeo a guy who has openly, proudly said we've lied, we've cheated, we've stolen? Uh, isn't, there a, isn't there therefore maybe more reason with him than with others to make an assumption that he might be doing some of that? <laughs> well, that was when he was head of the CIA. See? Well, is um, he is he reformed? Did he? Did he, did he <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like he has. You know, he's gone through these tra uh, transitions. You know, first he was at West Point, and he brags about the honor code there. We don't lie, cheat, or steal, and we report anybody that we see doing that. And then he comes before this very uh, very positive audience there at Texas A&M, and he said, you know, <laughs> I was head of the CIA, and we we lied, we cheated, we stole to a third. We had, we had courses in it. It's, it's a good example of the American ethos or something like that. Yeah. So here he is, the Secretary of State. Now, this is not funny. I mean, there are serious people in Beijing and in Moscow, and they look at this this fellow, and they say, what, what gives here? And the only, and I had asked the same question, the only thing I can come up with is that he's a tool of those who make really big bucks out of ha having enemies like China, and Russia, and Russia seems to peter out a little bit lately, and so we, we pivot to the east where we can make China into an aggressive state uh, wanting to take us over like the old communist that they still are. It's really amazing. It's really, well, there are lots of adjectives I could use. Pompeo is a tool of the system. He's a, he's a, a make, Mickey Matt-Kateer, uh, and uh, that's the only way that I can explain. You know, here, here's, here's something. Uh, the, uh, right after China started becoming the real bugaboo, uh, all of a sudden we have a, 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 a contract, General Dynamics. Uh, $22.2 billion to make advanced submarines, 9, 10, maybe 11 of them, $22.2 billion justified by the, you know, threat from China. Yeah. And, and you know, David, this has, you know, personal, or this has human uh, results or consequences. I remember that captain out there uh, near Guam, the captain of the USS Theodore Roosevelt. I forget his name right now. Sure. But his guys were starting to get COVID-19, and he wanted to get them to a place where they could be isolated. And, and the Navy told him, no, 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 you can't. He says, why not? Because of the China threat. China threat. So yeah. there you go. Most of those guys mm -hmm. got COVID, if, if I remember the most recent report. So here's a China threat that doesn't exist. I mean, prove to me that there's a China threat. And, uh, and 
people are, are dying because of the ostensible threat that they have to stay on station when they all have COVID-19. My God, that's awful. And, and every trillion dollars spent on countering the China threat has human consequences in the human needs it's not spent on as well. But I, I remember, Ray, around the year 2000, you know, 1999, a, a big media effort to hype the China threat. Uh, and, and then when September 11th, 2001 came along and everyone was sufficiently horrified of Arab terrorists, uh, you didn't hear as much about it anymore. The weapons were being sold by other means. Uh, and, and then you had the, the Obama, Obama pivot uh, and you've had this whole experiment with, with Russiagate that I don't think has quite served as as weapons marketing uh in the way uh really desired uh and and we're hearing a lot about the china threat again i mean how much of this is the need for an enemy uh to justify weapons sales well there you got it um you know i'm not the brightest guy in the world but i have been around a while and that's the only the only rationale i can see uh, Pompeo is acting as a as a puppet for uh, the, the powers that be, and the powers that be are not necessarily the president uh, or our elected representatives or Congress. They're all they're all complicit, but the powers that be are the ones that wield the the ones that can get a twenty two point two billion dollar contract for building submarines that will be obsolescent by the time they're put in the water. Uh, those are the kinds of people that are running things around here. And the sooner we realize that, and most important, the point you just made, the more people realize that when they pay their taxes, for example, and more than 50% of their taxes, I think it's around 60% now, goes to this unnecessary buildup of military equipment and so forth that hopefully will never be used, but detracts. I mean, there's something called opportunity costs. I don't really know about economics, but I know that when you take 60 cents out of every dollar we pay in our taxes, then very little is left over to meet the human needs. And uh, now we know uh, what human needs really are and how the uh, our government is uh, uh, reacting in a most oppressive way, reminiscent of uh, fascist regimes uh, going back to uh, times when, just when I was born. Uh, Ray McGovern, uh, his website is raymcgovern.com. Ray, I know you've probably spent uh, more minutes than you uh, maybe desired uh, talking about the Iraq war lies and the liars behind them, but I, I, I'm struck uh, both by how much... Uh, how much Colin Powell resembles uh, Mike Pompeo, though nobody would would say that superficially, uh, and and by an article you recently wrote after after the New York Times recently wrote about Colin Powell's lies back in two thousand three, as if the New York Times had suddenly discovered there were some problems there, as if Colin Powell had suddenly discovered there were some problems there. Uh, what is what is going on with with this rehabilitation of people like George W. Bush and and Colin Powell? And didn't they didn't they lie? And didn't they knowingly lie? As as the phrase became. <laughs> well, these were consequential lies, of course, uh, David. I I 
find it hard to even think about it anymore. We saw them coming, we warned, but uh, at one point we thought it might be possible that it was just pure and simple Cheney and Rumsfeld and that the president himself need to know, needed to know that uh, Powell was lying. And we told him so on the afternoon of uh, Powell's speech. And we warned uh, President uh, W. Bush um, that, you know, as he expanded the circle of his advisors, um, beyond those, you know, who were clearly bent on, on a war for which we saw no imp- compelling reason, uh, the results would be catastrophic. Now, those were our words. Now, we we take no pride in the fact that we were right on that. It was a catastrophe of the world, uh, for the Middle East especially, of course. And did Colin Powell, um, you know, I know Colin Powell. <laughs> I used to... I used to be responsible for briefing his boss, a fellow named Casper Weinberger, uh, who perjured himself before Congress, but then was pardoned by George H. W. Bush. Uh, Weinberger was uh, was an interesting guy to to brief, uh, and uh, I could tell him things that I couldn't tell his executive assistant, Colin Powell. So, out of courtesy, I used to arrive about ten minutes early at the Pentagon. And I used to tell uh, Colin, Colin, look, you know, I could tell this to the president. And there were certain things I couldn't tell Colin, but I, I made him, I tried to try to bend over backwards to um, to alleviate his misgivings that he, he might not know something. So he's a decent guy. He was born in the Bronx, grew up, uh, it was a year ahead of me in school, and uh, he grew up a mile away from where I did. Uh, his history is just so... So different from mine, beginning from the time when he got out of ROTC uh, a year before I did, and he never, you know, he learned how to salute smartly, and that got him way, way above his, uh, his. Well, it got him. He's a pretty bright guy. It got him part of the system, and so when we saw the New York Times sort of gently uh, letting him down easy, uh, not only I but Scott Ritter who knew chapter and verse about the fact that this was about regime change, not about weapons of mass destruction, and Joe Lauria, who was up to the U.N. at the time, he was asking the, the British ambassador, for example, well, what's going on here? And the British ambassador says, well, the U.S. wants this, uh, wants this war, so we're going to help him. So this trilogy, which came out two weekends ago, and we're very proud of because it's kind of the historical record. As for my part, um, you know, I uh, focused on how Colin Powell was was uh, encouraged by George Tenet, the head of the CIA, to use a national intelligence estimate. This is a big deal. I mean, this the the, the primary uh, the, the primary genre for substantive intelligence. He was prompted to use this uh, for a speech at the UN. And uh, what he was using was already uh, completely corrupted. Uh, all this business about weapons of mass destruction was, in Jay Rockefeller's words, he was head of the Senate Intelligence Committee, uh, uncorroborated, and uh, some of it was, uh, uh, what the word he used, uh, uh, non, non-existent. Yeah, non-existent. What does non-existent intelligence look like, I ask you? Anyhow, Powell knew that the... That the Powell had to know that the original national intelligence estimate was was corrupt because
because his own people, his own intelligence people, told him, and they took footnotes, but he used it anyway. Now, let me just uh, do fast forward a little bit. National intelligence estimates are really, really important, okay? There was one back in 2007 that, uh, that played a huge role in preventing Bush and Cheney from attacking Iran or allowing Israel to attack Iran during the last year of the tenure, 2008. It was on the books. You can read Bush's own memoir and see what they had planned, okay? The intelligence estimate said Iran stopped working on a nuclear weapon at the end of 2003 and has not resumed work. That was the estimate was 2007. Wow. Uh, Bush said this was an eye popper. It deprived me of the military option. For, for how could I, how could I attack uh, the nuclear facilities, a country that the intelligence community says has no active nuclear weapons program. Bummer, okay? So what I'm saying here is the national intelligence assessments can play a really, really good role. In that case, I wish there were others I could cite recently. There are no others, but that saved the day. That saved, in a large measure, uh, an attack on Iran, uh, prevented it. Now, why do I mention all this? Because at the end of the Obama administration, when everyone was saying, oh, the Russians uh, interfered, the Russians hacked into the DNC, oh, the Russians did all this, the Russians gave Trump his victory, you know. When all that was going on, um, what, what was needed was a national intelligence estimate. And so James Clapper, who was overseeing all the national intelligence outfits, was asked by Congress by Devin Nunes, and by many, many uh, um, Democrat, uh, Democrat senators, Democratic senators, uh, please, please do a national intelligence estimate, because that's what, you know, that's the Bible. Um, what, what did Clapper say? Um, no, no, I'm not going to do it. They're just going to do, Obama asked me to do a memo. And that's what emerged on the 6th of January as the, quote, intelligence community assessment about Russian meddling. It was not the intelligence community. It was an assessment pulled out of the uh, out of the heads of Brennan and, uh, and uh, Clapper and Comey. Some, and some part of their bodies account. anyway. <laughs> yeah. So what I'm saying here is that uh, when Clapper, I had, uh, Clapper was asked by Greg Chilman, who used to be a a senior manager in INR, that is the State Intelligence Bureau, he said to, uh, to Clapper, no, uh, General Clapper, uh, why was State Department excluded uh, from preparing this memo? And Clapper uh, fumbled around and he said, oh, oh, yeah, I, it was only a counterintelligence memo, only a counterintelligence memo. Well, that doesn't explain it. Uh, as a matter of fact, DIA, the Defense Intelligence Agency, was also excluded from the preparation of this memo. It was only CIA, FBI, and NSA. And so, you know, the uh, DIA has purview over the Russian intelligence agency called the GRU, and they're the major figure in all this, and so they excluded DIA as well. Now, Clapper said, well, um, you know, we just wanted kind of counterintelligence. Oh, and by the way, we didn't have enough time. Well, that's August, 
the National Intelligence Estimate back in October 1st, issued in October 1st, 2002, was done in three weeks. Yeah. Uh, Clapper said we didn't have enough time. Well, I had five or six weeks to do the job. So it's all bogus. They excluded the, the people who might have thrown doubt. Actually, I talked to Jack Matlock, the former ambassador to, to Russia and also before the Soviet Union. And he said, yeah, I checked with my uh, State Department intelligence colleagues, and they said, well, the reason they didn't include us is because we objected. He said it was cockamamie stuff. <laughs> so there's first-hand information from a fellow who knows. So and what I'm saying here is that this whole Russian thing um, is, is easily perpetrated until it sort of gets old, and, uh, and, and until people like, the former technical directors of the NSA that we have within veteran intelligence professionals for sanity until they prove by forensics, the forensics that the FBI did not do, they proved that there was no Russian hack on the DNC to filch out those emails so damaging to Hillary Clinton. And just to finish up on this, Jonathan Turley had a recent article in The Hill where he's, you know, he's really besides himself. He says, you know, there's a, a legal term for what's going on here by the media, and it's called willful blindness, deliberately ignoring the facts following the release of documents such as the one I just quoted uh, back in this show, that uh, there was an attempt uh, to uh, target the campaign of an opposing party using false evidence, and that all happened under Obama. So this is kind of relevant stuff here. You know, what's going to happen? And, uh, uh, you know, there is there are investigators going on against the, the earlier investigators. Uh, and, you know, I've been asked to predict what I think is going to happen. Um, well, number one, uh, they had the goods on these guys. Um, <laughs> I'm talking about the people that, that the president and, and uh, William Barr talk about openly. I'm talking about Brennan, the head of the CIA in those days, uh, Comey, FBI, uh, uh, the very the admiral that headed the NSA, Rogers, and the people in the Justice Department, like Loretta Lynch, for God's sake. These are the people who were involved in this whole thing. And... Um, and they're uh, so they're they're big fish now. They have the goods on them. Why? Well, because they were sure. Mark mark my words. They were sure that Hillary's going to win, and that gave them they thought permission to do all kinds of extracurricular, illegal, unconstitutional things against the opposing party because she was going to win, and they'd never be found out. They would get the promotions. They wouldn't get indictments, okay? And so the corollary of that is they, they took, they didn't even take rudimentary measures to hide their tracks. It's all out there in paper. It's all out there in computers. This fellow uh, Durham out there in uh, Connecticut, the, the uh, U.S. attorney that has been tasked with looking into the investigators, he's got it all. So what's what are they waiting for? I think they're, they're not waiting. They're just, well, I, I guess I would predict that uh, when push comes to shove, Trump is afraid of what we call the deep state or the national security state. It's very real. Uh, would he take them on? Uh, he's not shown.
any of the kind of courage that would allow him to, to say, yeah, go ahead, uh, go ahead, Bill Barr, uh, tell Durham to tell it like it is. So besides that, time's a wasting. Uh, the election is coming close. I'm told by some people who say they know that, no, 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 we're going to have indictments. We're going to have them before the election. Well, uh, I'm from Missouri on that. Uh, I, you know, I hope they're right, but uh, this delay is really not necessary and shows me that uh, just as uh, Trump acquiesced when the FBI and CIA said, oh, you can't release the documents on JFK's assassination, uh, though his fear of what would happen to him, not only while he's still president, but after he's still president, these guys are pretty vindictive, and uh, I think that will prevent the U.S. people from having to change their minds around uh, and see what really happened. Sorry to be carry on at such late. I think part of the problem, Ray McGovern, is is partisanship. Uh, even people able to recognize uh, lies by George W. Bush, a Republican, are incapable of recognizing lies about Donald Trump, a Republican. But I think part of it is is the need uh, for people to to understand what's happened before. So these these three articles that you and Scott Ritter and Joe Lauria wrote at ConsortiumNews.com, and and people can go to Ray McGovern. Dot com uh, about the Iraq lies, I think would help some people understand the Russiagate lies and the China lies and all the lies that are coming. Um, and, and I'm just, I continue to be uh, just amazed uh, all of these years later that, you know, as you keep pointing out, and even in your recent article, Colin Powell and Condoleezza Rice said Iraq had no weapons just before September 11th and never explained how they materialized. Uh, Colin Powell used statements from Saddam Hussein's son-in-law who had also said all the weapons are gone, but he left that bit out. He used actual fictionalized, falsified transcripts of statements from Iraqi soldiers. He used countless claims that his own staff, not only not only was it non-existent intelligence, they warned him it wouldn't even be plausible. And yet he goes before the UN and says it, and it's not only plausible, but everybody eats it up. Uh, how How... Can the New York Times be pretending that uh, that there's something? I mean, we knew all of this all of these years ago, didn't we, Ray? Yeah. Yeah, well, well David, you know, I mentioned the Mickey Mat, the Military Industrial Congressional Intelligence Media Academia Think Tank Complex. Again, media has to be all caps here. It's the cornerstone. Uh, it's the basis of all this stuff, and my good friends that I went to college and graduate school with up in New York, they believe it if it's in the New York Times. If it's not in the New York Times, it didn't happen. And just one small example of that, in December of 2017, the head of CrowdStrike that did ostensibly the forensics on the DNC computers admitted he had no evidence that any of those emails from Hillary Clinton or the DNC were exfiltrated. Fancy word for hacked. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Now, they kept that secret until May 7th of this year. Okay, well, big news. Uh, so we wrote about it on May 8th. The New York Times has not mentioned the fact that the, the key testifier, the head of CrowdStrike, said there's no evidence that the emails were exfiltrated or hacked. And 
and the New York Times can cannot uh, cannot print that. It's been I, I forget. Well, May seven. Do the do the math, and that's why Jonathan Charlie, a very very respected lawyer, talks about the Washington Press Corps engaged in a collective demonstration of the legal concept of willful blindness or deliberately ignoring the facts. So the website is raymcgovern.com. Ray, thank you so so much for coming on Talk Nation Radio. You're most welcome, David. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. Read or listen to today's Peace Almanac entry at peacealmanac.org. All past shows can be heard at talknationradio.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is supported by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.